Designed to think in narratives, right? Yeah. We are where the human brain thinks in narratives, and it's how society organizes itself. And what has happened now is those narratives are leaving the hands of centralized parties, right? And are now accessible on an individual basis, right? They're they're being communityized. Right, like buying's cool and looking at the art's great, but like a lot of the fun is around like getting the research and sharing the knowledge and stuff. So, how many NFT collectors in the crowd? Yeah, all right, cool, cool. Testing, testing one, two, testing. Hello, hello, and welcome. To episode zero of the dankness. I am Dan Sickles. I am joined by none other than Art Gnome. How are you, sir? Doing great, Dan. How are you? Oh, I am wonderful. And thank you to Stella for that wonderful introduction. Uh, it's a very, very vibey way to, uh, to, to lean into our first episode. Dank. Very dank. Proper dankness. Extra dank. Dank. So, uh... So what are we doing, Art Gnome? What are, we, what are we doing here? What's going on? Yeah, I, I think these, uh, these bear markets are the best time, right? Because we can kind of slow down and have more fun and do things that are more experimental, right? And I felt like, you know, you and I kind of hit it off when you invited me to uh, do an interview for your upcoming documentary. And I thought there was a time and space for us to finally now that like people aren't like constantly chasing after the next opportunity every five seconds, we can kind of slow down and talk to our friends in this space and get them to open up maybe a little bit more just as humans. And instead of them feeling like they have to give that same consistent description of like, okay, microphone's on, I'm going to go through and give the same answer I give everybody else. Like, now that things have slowed down, we can kind of just have some fun and get people to relax and get to know each other a little bit more as humans. And uh, I, I also just like the experimental nature of kind of doing something where we don't really know what it is yet, right? And like living kind of on the edge of creation um, and thought you would absolutely be the person that I would want to do this with. So yeah, I think we're, we're going to learn what this is as we go to some degree, but, but I'm pretty excited about it. For sure, me too. Like, and you know, I think that even even backing up, you know, the the, the crypto art space and the NFT space, um, it's it's ever evolving, and and sort of definitions hardly exist, which which is, is probably for the for the good and the bad. Um, and I think that like something that that we're going to be doing here is, is kind of like figuring out what this space and what these with this emerging medium and genre, and there's so many different ways to think about it, what it means to certain individuals. And you and I, you know, we, we have the opportunity of, of really speaking to some of the greatest minds working uh, in this in this area Art is and happening. to really touch on some of the mythology that's laid the foundations of this space and really brought it to where it is today. Um, we'll, we'll talk sort of about how we met a bit later, but, you know, you are really the only person that I can think of uh, that, that I would want to embark on the adventure of making a podcast in 2022 with uh, about crypto art. Um, but very, very honored to do it. Yeah, yeah. And of course, our our, um, our man Stella uh, as well. So we, we are um, a, a trio. I don't want to jump the Far gun, out. but, uh, the, you know, the I think the three of us, we've got Stella dropping from the soundboard, these amazing sounds that it? will keep us... Um, Keep it light and fun oh, and interesting. So yeah, psyched to that to have Stella in the mix as well. 
for sure. And for people who don't know you, for people who might uh, be coming across this podcast not knowing anything about crypto art, not knowing anything about art gnome, you know, can, can you just give us a bit about your background, where you come from, how you fell into this space? Yeah, sure, you bet. So I'm sort of famously long-winded, but I'll, I'll try to keep it sort of, uh, of short. So I always start the same way. I tell people I'm born into a family of engineers, but all I ever wanted to do was be an artist, right? So this goes back to when I was like four years old. I won the award in kindergarten for like best pumpkin drawing or something like that, right? And I think it art? might even have made it into the newspaper, like the town newspaper. And up until that point, like I showed no real aptitude for like the family, you know, thing, which was really like math and science and engineering and building things, right? And uh, I felt like, well, this is a thing that I could be. I could be an artist. Like this could yeah. be my this identity, is art, right? Dude, and uh, I ended up not doing that great through school growing up, but really, um, it wasn't until I got into college and I could kind of focus on art and art history and these things that I was really deeply passionate about that I found my tribe and sort of my purpose in life um, and what I wanted to do. But, you know, uh, going into art school and certainly coming out of art school, all the adults around me were like, what are you doing? You're throwing your life away. You're going to spend all this money on an art degree. There's going to be no opportunity. You're not going to be able to find a job when you get out or whatever. Um, and it turns out they were right, right? So I graduated from, uh, from college exactly. in like 21 or so. Traveled around the country a bit with some friends, came back and started my job search on 9-11, the 9-11. So like, you know, couldn't find any work to do, Um, you know, kind of through nepotism, ended up uh, through a friend of my dad getting this job, kind of shooting digital video, which I was actually pretty lousy at as a technical reporter, which is funny because I'm neither technical nor a reporter. Uh, But that got me into the digital side of like learning, like taught myself Photoshop and Illustrator and all this other stuff. And it kind of kicked off this voyage where I saw a path where art and tech could go together. Uh, Fast forward to 2007 to 2010, and I I went back to school nights to, to really go deep and study the history of digital art and actually learn how to code and create generative art and kind of developed a real passion around the digital art side of things. While working daytime, still trying to put the roof over my head and mostly startups and and software startups in the Boston area. Um, Fast forward to ArtGnome, which is about five or six years ago, which is what most folks know me for. Um, And I was kind of still looking for that juicy project like I had in grad school where, you know, I could do something I cared about um, nights and weekends in addition to my day job. And I had created this crazy database, um, the world's technically, at the time, the world's largest database of analytical, um, uh, the largest analytical database of complete works by 20th century artists. So this, like, talk about dorky and nerdy. Like, I still get a little bit red when I'm talking about this because it's, like, kind of embarrassing. But it's an important part of, I think, what really led you here, too. It's sort of a pivotal moment, I would say. That's right, so I baby. Think, I think so, too. Yeah, so um, I read this book called provenance and in the book they talk about how something like you know 15 percent conservatively like 15 percent of artworks are actually forged or misattributed so this is like artworks in museums and that like go on auction and as someone who grew up with art history being kind of like the closest thing i had to religion um i was super freaked out um and and bummed out it was kind of like someone rewrote my bible so not only were people forging artworks but in this particular book um provenance they talk about a a duo that were forging the the provenance itself the paperwork or the documentation Um, and as someone that worked in the daytime in in a uh, big data and database companies I thought, well, this is stupid. Like the the fine art world is like a sixty billion dollar a year market, right? And then we know there's these museums that are super expensive with temperature controlled rooms and security guards, you know, and all these things are signals, social signals that that we care a lot about art, right? That we really care about art. So there must be a list somewhere of all the artworks by all these famous artists. So I emailed like Harvard and the Smithsonian and the Getty Institute, and I was like where's the database that has like all the known works by all these artists. Right. And they all said, my lips, they said, read my lips. (laughs) They they said, there is no such thing um, as, as a database that has this, this list. Right. And, uh, and that they thought it was important 
but they wondered if it was even possible. So I, you know, I kind of said, well, maybe I could take a, a, a shot at it and see what I could do nights and weekends as one person. And that might be able to help, you know, show what a larger group of people could do. So that kicks off this process where I go around the world gathering these giant books called Catalog Resonés. I usually tell people to give them some context, like the Picasso Catalog Resoné until recently it was about $200,000. So these aren't like books that you just get on your bike and go to the local library or whatever. They're like very wealthy collectors have them and they're in like very special libraries and like there's a whole like hilarious set of stories about how I like learned that I can't like scan all of these things in libraries. But a few years later, I ended up having all this data and I'm like, how do I get this information out into the world? You know, it's really mission driven, like half mission, half midlife crisis. And I'm like, how do I get all this data out into the world um, so that if I get hit by a bus, people will know about it? That starts artgnome.com. For the first year, it's really about bringing analytics and art history together. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I found, I thought, well, gee, this is an embarrassing nerdy hobby to have, right? But within a few months, I realized there were a bunch of other nerds around the world that I care about the intersection of art and tech, too. And, like... Traffic started taking off, um, and I got invited to these uh, these different presentations with like Christie's and Sotheby's. Like, ironically, this art world that I wanted to be part of like 20 years earlier, but couldn't crack my way into. Now they were asking oh. me to come present because I had this mm-hmm. data, and they were like, "Oh, that you know seems like it could either be a threat or at least interesting, right?" And on the breaks, when I would go and have dinner afterwards or coffee breaks, they would you know I would ask them. Why is it that no one in this this art world, you know, this sort of fancy capital A art world, is talking this about is art. digital art? Because I think yeah. like digital artists and digital art is the most important art of our generation. And uh, people were like, happening. "Oh no, you know, computers can't make art, and like art with computers doesn't really matter." So when that's when I pivoted art? and turned Art Gnome into being really focused on digital artists because I felt like I had um, this audience and and really the ability to point out what I think are some of the best artists of this generation, right? So that mission, again, I warned everyone I was going to be long-winded, but that mission of wanting to get digital artists out there and express how important they are brings us right through to this podcast, right? Everything I've been doing for the last six years is about, you know, supporting and making opportunities for digital artists. You know, around late 2017, I learned about the blockchain. (laughs) And, uh, And I'm like, look, you know, we need to build a new art world from scratch, right? So, and, and why from scratch? Because I knew hundreds of artists at this point, right, that I had graduated with and had all gone to school or not gone to school and were still making art, but not one of them, not one was making a career out of art, right? They all were like either teaching or had some other job or just gave up on art altogether. So when I looked, what I, yeah, yeah, when I looked at, when I looked at that art world that wasn't serving any of us, I'm like, you know, Maybe the blockchain and this new community of people that want to build a more decentralized approach to a Into new art world where people from all around the world could actually have an opportunity to be rewarded for their, their talent and their skill, we could just kind of start something new. And that kicked off the journey that I'm sure we'll cover in depth later that led all the way up to today, kind of a wild ride through NFTs. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Yes to all of it. And and we're definitely going to chat a bit more about about how we met and 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 you know from you know for for me for me you know I think it's uh it, I'm still synthesizing how I how I ended up here to be honest. Uh cuz I I'm not really a tech guy. I I don't I don't I didn't come totally. from that background. Like Laughing Excel now. is still extraordinarily difficult for me to use. Um, so I, I, I'm not necessarily somebody that I, w- I would expect to know how to use a MetaMask. Um, and even more than that, I would say even a few years ago, if somebody asked me what my community online looked like, I think I, I, I would sort of scoff at the question and be like, what is that? You have explained that and still I do not understand. Exactly. Um, and, you know, I, it's... There, there's a history for sure of, of my fascination with um, the, the aspects of culture and like the communities within it that are sort of marginalized and, and misunderstood. And, and there's, there's a big part of that happening in crypto culture, for They're sure, that, that has definitely places. brought me to this space like a moth to a flame. And then, and then 
to the other side of that coin, you know, I think that there's like there's like a there's a there's a certain amount of empowerment that happens just by virtue of of opening yourself to this, this sort of globalized community of of digital art appreciators who who sort of more or less get like what what this is what this is and like the potentiality of where it's this is headed. art and yeah, yeah. I, it's like I've I've definitely found a home in that um, and it's it's been it's been a really exciting. Adventure that I, I think for me personally, like I'm, I'm still at the start of, you know, I, I'm definitely somebody I, I would say open-minded as to like when it comes to definitions and how they apply to this particular space. Um, someone who tries to listen typically more more than speak, um, and to that end, you know, for for the past uh, nearly two years now, I, I've been I've been developing a film about like. This, this emergent community, really, uh, is, is really actually what it is, more so than anything else, of artists and devs and thinkers um, that, that really sort of put together and laid the foundation for uh, definitely what I think is, is the future of, of the art space, future. but also that way, future. way, way beyond. Um, I'd like say that for me, like, really, like, that this is... Exactly. And that that is that is the feeling of, of hopping into this space, and I and I still very much feel like I'm I'm Alice, like falling into that wormhole, you know. Um, but I think ultimately, you know, what it boils down to is that that what's happening here when it, when we talk NFTs and crypto art and all of that is it's like sort of the most liberated, potent form of expression potentially that exists in 2022. Right. And um, that's 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 why there's so much to talk about. And that's why it's it's uh, taken me personally, like the better part of two years to sort of work with so many different people in this space to put together, uh, you know, on one hand, a singular version of of what that story is, but then also uh, a more decentralized archive version of of what that story could be um, and looks like in that way, too. So yeah, it's it's for me. I, this is sort of um, it's it's kind of been a left turn that I've been like living in for the better part of two years that I feel very par- very comfy in now. Um, I, I I think personally, like falling into this, I, I've been held by probably like the 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 largest percentage of brilliant minds in any one industry or space that I've seen. Like uh, everyone is is like very wacky and has has their own very particular perception and and flavor that they that they bring to what's happening here um and that's why i think it's also kind of a a cool space to to not know so much right um and to sort of like hang out in the sandbox with other people who are in the sandbox and just talk about what the sand is looking like and what you're doing with it we're here for the party Um, and i think that that's like largely what we're here to do art gnome it's 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 an honor to start this journey with you of, of bringing, you know, uh, other brilliant minds from across the world. Cause, cause really this is a global movement. And, yeah, and I feel like we always need try. to remind people that, um, into these conversations, uh, so that, that we can also help share this brilliance w- with more people. Um, and as you mentioned earlier, the, the two of us are accompanied by Stella. It's so, um, it's so. Yes, our our band leader, um, who you know will will maybe one day do do a bit of talking. You might get to get to know this person a bit more, but you know ha- has a pretty diverse soundboard no. at their disposal. So, you know, I think is <laughs> I think is largely going to be communicating through uh, you know through, through that means, but has also doing these incredible uh, soundscapes uh, that are going to be part this this work at the dankness so uh, you know but as, as we sort of wind up this segment here i do i do sort of want to again like step back for anybody who might be be coming to this podcast because they heard about it from a friend and are still wondering what we're talking about when when we say that we're we're doing a podcast about crypto art That's and cool. nfts um what is that what's going on with that i've heard like so many different things about this it like there's art? like you know, you've heard uh, ABC in 60 Minutes and, you know, your Aunt Sally has told you something horrible about, about what's going on in this world. Um, I wonder if we can sort of set the context for what tricky. crypto art and NFTs means uh, for, for the dankness and for us. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to give my, um, my shot uh, and definition on it. I, I think the reason why it's so hard to define crypto art is because, at least by my definition, um, 
it's open to multiple definitions. That's part of the core of the definition, right? So the, the fastest, shortest definition of crypto art for me, the one that I think um, captures the historical relevance is that crypto art is what happens when you let everyone participate, period, right? Mm. So that was the, the original goal, right? NFTs are a separate thing, and we'll get to what NFTs are in a second, right? But um, there are multiple ways that you can define crypto art, and mine's going to come with a bias. But the, when, I, when I try to define crypto art, I try to figure out what is unique about uh, this moment that will actually matter 100, 200 years from now. I don't think it's going to be, and this could be controversial, I don't think it's going to be that people made art that featured Ethereum symbols or Bitcoin symbols. I mean, that's cool. Like, if that's your jam, that's great. I own some pieces like that. I don't think anyone's going to care specifically that you used a Bitcoin symbol in your art 200 years from now, right? Exactly. Similarly, I don't think that it, it's that um, artists are using technology, um, meaning the blockchain. People, artists have been using uh, technology for a long, long time, right? Um, so that's not news. It's not like, oh, wow, artists are using you know technology and there's this distributed ledger or database called the blockchain. I, I mean, that's part of the story, but I don't think that's the central thing. For me, what crypto art is and the central thing is there's this time period, and this is why I start with Rare Pepe Wallet, where people started saying, what happens if we just let literally let everyone participate, right? They looked at the, the same way that cryptocurrency... The first civilian art movement. Is sort I mean, of how, that's how Robness would, would qualify it. Yeah, I think, and I think Robness has, has a point there in that... Um, when you talk to like Joe Looney and the guys that started uh, Rare Pepe Wallet, they had zero interest in judging how good or bad the, the art was that was coming in. And they took no cut, right, um, of anything that was sold in primary or secondary on the market. Um, and so those two things alone, right, put them in almost 180% opposition to the traditional art world. So no cut, no curation. Then the, the, the other part that sometimes gets lost, and of course there are pioneers that will, some of whom we'll probably talk to on this show in the future that predate um, the Rare Pepe Wallet. But the reason I start at Rare Pepe Wallet is because there had been jokes, right? This running meme about the idea of a meme economy <laughs> where people would like, you know, it's laughable that people might spend money to buy a meme or to buy a digital, you know, a JPEG that everyone can see for free. And sure, there were a couple of people like artists that gave demos to small crowds where they tried to show that you could like make a rare JPEG or something. But with Rare Pepe's, we see a whole crowd, right, come in, and it shows that it works at scale. And like, it's the first time that on an art-based platform, right, you're, where, where the, the NFTs actually don't have, the, the tokens don't have any utility, it's, it proves out that more than one or two crazy people will actually come together and fight and bid against each other for the right to say that oh, they own a dang, token because dang. it shows that these digital things are, like, provably rare, right? So... Like, just to kind of close How out my thoughts rare. on it, and I want to get your thoughts because I think it matters. Like, everybody can have a uniquely valid perspective on this. Um, for me, it starts with Rare Pepe Wallet. Then we see, like, Dada NYC, where they're coming from a different angle, but they've created this platform where, like, every artist all around the world is welcome to communicate to each other through, like, drawing. And again, look at the principles, you know, the principles in Rare Pepe Wallet and the principles in Dada, they want everyone to come. They're not trying to judge your art, whether it's great or bad. They don't even think it's fair to say that this anyone's in a art? position to judge. The point isn't whose art is the best or who's the worst. It's getting mass participation, removing the barriers, removing the judgment, right? So they, they are pretty early 2017 to adopt uh, NFTs as well uh, as a way they thought you know, uh, sort of altruistically to make sure that they could get rid of that star system. And no matter which artist sold, the wealth would kind of be distributed across all of them. So I think uh, crypto art is an ideal that was epitomized through Rare Pepe Wallet and Dada NYC that has only been eroded since then. We do see some of it with like um, Tezos and some of these other, you know, uh, uh, groups that are trying to keep sort of that level playing field and that openness but arguably, we've commercialized, right? If we look at particularly 2021, we've commercialized crypto art and sort of pulled it away from its ideals. So maybe that's a, a spicy, saucy take. This was supposed to be fun, but I'm, I'm getting all serious and, and passionate. Well, Please this is this is down. what will continue to happen in the dankness. You know, like one one question about like what what a thing is. 
will definitely like lead us to unknown places and dimensions. Exactly. I guess it, cool. it's, I you agree with cool. you for sure. Like it's like, it's one of these, like it's like answering like what crypto art or NFTs is. It seems like asking the question of what, what is art at the time of Duchamp? Right. It's like, uh, uh, well give it, this give us art. like five years and like we Get can it. maybe actually talk about it with some sort of wisdom. Right. Um, I'd say that like largely for, for me or the way that I see it, what's happening is that we have this sort of umbrella term of NFTs, which, you know, a lot of a lot of quote unquote OGs, people who were there when that term was developed, absolutely despise. But for better or for worse, it's sort of being becoming this umbrella term that encompasses a lot of different things that's happening with non-fungible tokens, right? And include that includes, and it makes sense that it would be the, the, the sort of first thing to emerge as a use case for cryptocurrency, but it includes art and it includes collectibles. Um, and these things that, you know, you and I are absolutely here to discuss and, and very much in love with, borderline obsessed with, um, potentially even addicted to. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, it's really, it's really that for me. Um, Yes, exactly. Um, but it's really that that for me that is is sort of like the the broad strokes of it. Um, and then within that crypto art, I think is is sort of it's a few different things for sure. And there's so many different ways that artists are sort of employing blockchain, right? Um, you have someone like Sarah Mayohas who who you know saw Bitcoin early on and understood that to be like this new avant garde material that she could make art with. And for her to talk so tangibly about it, it's like that's. Yes, it is that, right? For other artists, um, you know, it's it's purely a means of authentication, right? Like there, there may be a tangible art piece and they'd like to actually authenticate it using a, digi a digital token and it might be embedded in the, in the canvas or something like that. It, it may go so far or not. And I would also say that that is crypto art, but it doesn't necessarily prioritize the crypto part of, of the, the sort of term, right? Um, so yeah, I, I I definitely agree that, that like we're in the midst of figuring it out and 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 swimming in it and you know I think that the two of us are definitely people that 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 <laughs> that bathe in 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 these questions uh, for for like thirty hours of every day. Um, we should probably have our partners on at some point to to talk about that experience. <laughs> but you know we we are gonna we are gonna keep this keep this fun and and informative and you know like we do want to we do want to create a, a space for people who both love what's happening here and, and are fluent in this lingo uh to come and and sort of meet people that they know in a new way but then also have people who have no idea what's going on here to sort of dive in to what might not be the the deep end right away but it's Garden definitely not, not the shallow end yeah no i i think so too i think that's where our overlap is um, you know, th three things. I always say three things, and then I can only remember two because I'm getting old. But uh, one of them is sort of the the goal to want to share things we're excited about. Um, you know, with other people, right? So some people would learn these things and just kind of you know engage um, in in their own way. I think from your documentary and my early writing, there's almost like a, a need when you find something cool to want to share it with a, a broader audience. And I think we share that element. I think another places. thing, it, exactly. I, th I think uh, another thing is sort of um, this uh, desire to be in, in worlds and spaces where not everything's been resolved yet. Right. So the way you kind of talk about your definition of crypto art is that it's maybe a little too early, right, to, to, to nail it down and say, oh, this is what it was because we're still in it. And like once everything's been figured out, um, I, that's when I leave a space, right? Like I like to be in a space where you're like walking on the tightrope and things aren't really clear and you can help define it and other people can have conflicting ideas. But it's early enough that you can all hold like different ideas, but uh, but get along, right, as, as this yeah, stuff absolutely. is sort of emerging, right? So. Yeah, that was two of the three, and I have no idea what the third was. So true to true to behavior. Well, yeah, I mean, to, to, to my, yeah, I think I think moving forward too, it's like really like um, for me, there's there's obviously aspects of this world that border on transhumanism, cyborgism, and I think that you know employing uh, an immutable ledger, right, with a universal timestamp, to me, like hints at like a future genre of art that I think has more to do with. Um, something maybe called immortalism or that something like this, you know, and, and we'll, we'll not be so caught up in the, 
the crypto of it all eventually because that will be so ubiquitous. Um, that, that's sort of what I, I foresee. But it's like, again, it's like we're also nascent. And I, and I feel like especially myself that, that it's you can project any which way. Right. It, we might we might be selling beanie babies to one another, too. <laughs> yeah, which I don't think is that bad, right? So, so two things. Um, I love my. I still have a beanie baby in my car right now oh, nice. uh, that, that I hold very dearly. So, yeah, I mean, you know, let's get real. It's it's so much of NFTs and, and crypto art is ridiculous, right? So, if you had asked me fifteen years ago, do you think there will ever be an art movement that emerges based on a database, which is really all the blockchain is, right? You know, like the whole world's going to get really excited about a database and there'll be an entire art movement based on that. I'd be like, nope, that will never happen, right? You know, um, and, and no. I think we, for a lot of people, the, the tech side of this, they don't necessarily think about or understand. It's more just like, oh, there's a lot of cool art being made, you know? Um, it, so there's that aspect of it. But then also the absurdity, and it was meant to be absurd in the beginning, and it's still absurd to me, as serious as we take this and as much time as we dedicate to it, People are giving money for JPEGs they can see for free at the core of a lot of this, right? And if you can't laugh at that or you ever lose sight of that, then you kind of miss the point, right? This is, it's like, you know, it, it is a little bit ridiculous, but um, it's the ridiculousness that I think keeps it fun and exciting. Don't you smell the acid in the air? And with I'll that. Imagine it, Dina. There is an acidy taint in the atmosphere. I think it's about time for a pre roll. Dank, 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 and dank, 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 dank. I got some shank, dank, and dank. In a world where digital art has been historically undervalued, one film is here to set the record straight. Featuring over 100 artists, collectors, and developers, each an important voice in the NFT community, partially funded with the cutest NFT project you've ever seen, Depop Studios presents I'm New Here. Learn more and mint your newbie today at newhere.xyz. Thank you to uh, some of Primes for lending your beautiful, beautiful voice for that audio teaser. It's so. We very much appreciate it for the dampness. So I wanna I wanna talk a bit about how we met. I'm gonna go first on this one. You know I. Again, I, I hopped into this space. I decided that that I really wanted to work towards making a film about what was happening here, and you know, immediately started reading as much as I could, and you know that that included everything that Art Gnome had written. Um, you know, some some of the earliest and most important writings in the crypto art space, like really come from your hand, and uh, you know, a lot of a lot of the archive footage that exists from some of the most pivotal moments within this space, literally you're either holding the iPhone to, to record it or, or you're on stage like in it. So it's, uh, you know, you're, you're somebody who is really a, a cornerstone of, of a lot of these communities that are happening here and definitely um, a major part of, of its history, its present and, and its future. So, Admittedly, you know, when I first reached out to you about the film, about recording for New Here, like I was, I was super timid. Like I don't, I don't like to assume <laughs> that people are like uh, going to say yes to me. If anything, I assume that like it, it's going to be a bit of a vetting process and, and all of that. And you know, you you're a busy person, and you know, sort of getting getting that time, landing that with you um, in Texas. Uh, at South by, you know, for, for me was like, uh, it was like an extraordinary achievement. There, there are these moments oh, where like man. I get off the phone or like I hop off a of zoom, um, and I come back to my team, like in this studio and I'm like, yo, like so-and-so said yes, like we got them, like, like let's go, you know? And it's, and it's like a, it's a, it's an, it's a moment, you know? Um, if we could afford champagne in this office, like we'd be pouring it. <laughs> 
<laughs> and you know, landing that time, at, knowing that that I had a moment to to chat with you about what this space uh, is uh, was was one of them for me for my team. And you know, then then we finally got together in Texas during South by a, like a crazy moment for this entire space. Like it was it was still like in the midst of. Uh, uh, wild bull. Um, so everybody, uh, especially people like yourself, had a million things to do. But I we're here for the party. <laughs> I basically kept you in a chair. I think for like three and a half hours, um, and you graciously sat there. Yeah, and 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 you know, gave gave me so much, and and really sort of uh, widened my perspective. Taught me a lot in that moment. Uh, gave me a lot more work to, to do. Um, to, to ensure that this film is, is like really hitting most of the right points. And even beyond that, you know, like have, have been such a help at like also putting us in touch with all the right people, which is also not easy as a nonfiction filmmaker approaching people on the internet, right? Um, exactly. It's, it's, it's kind of, I imagine there's a lot of people who receive messages being like, hey, you want to be in my movie? And uh, I was one of them. So to, to have an ally in, in this process of, of really putting this story together has, has just been so va- valuable. Um, and to have that ally be you in particular. It. It's also the beginning, I feel like, in so many ways um, of, of what I will eventually be able to say about my friend Jason Bailey. Um, so yeah, I mean like that, that's, that's, that's how I know you. Yeah. I love, I love all of that. So for me, um, as one of the early people really, uh, writing about the space, you know, I actually had a a podcast in early 2018 called the, the dank rares. So in addition to writing and interviewing people sort of in those early years, um, through, through the writing and I had it through the podcast and, there just weren't a lot of other people at the time. It was a smaller movement. There weren't a lot weren't a lot of other people sort of documenting this space. And at first that felt great because I got a lot of attention for it, right? But then as the space grew three or four years later, I uh, I genuinely started to get nervous because like it doesn't do anyone um, any favors or any justice to have this story told from the perspective of one person, right? So what I th- what I saw initially as sort of being a great thing, like oh look, I'm getting this attention for the things I wrote, or the, the a lot of it started to get out of date. There were new voices coming in that weren't getting captured, and and I worried about it to be honest, right? Um, so when I met you. I pretty quickly, because, you know, there's a lot of emails going back and forth between people in a space, and I pretty quickly looked at your previous work, um, you know, in in making documentaries and sort of saw that you were super, um, you know, talented and high level um, of skill and like we're really good at. Um, telling stories where you brought multiple people together and sort of amplified um, other people's voices and told a story from multiple points of view, um, sort of like the Rashomon kind of effect. Uh, and, and I was like, that's it. That's what we need, right? Like, I, this is, you know, the crypto art space is sort of like my baby, right? So I'm pretty particular about who I'll work with and who I want to support, particularly on like trying to tell the story. And I'm like, this guy is an expert storyteller, someone who's more, you said it earlier, more of a listener than a talker who knows how to get people to tell and share the real stories, right? And is willing to do the work. I mean, how many people did you interview for this uh, documentary to date? Yeah, we're like nearly at 100, yeah. So that's insane, right? Whoa. I mean, you know, um, and, and the Far truth out. is like a lot of people don't realize that I'm actually like a massive introvert. I like look like a Sasquatch and I live out in the woods um, out here. No, and it's only because I love the community that I go to these different events or whatever. So when I went to um, Austin, I was like, oh, man, I'm going to have to go into like a, a TV studio. Like that sounds like really intimidating. And then um, I ended up a guy that works with us at Club NFT um, who like lives in a van, which is another story, but like drives all around. He just happened to be in Austin and uh, we went out. It was the first time I met him and I drank way too much tequila. Um, and then the next morning <laughs> I wake up it? and I'm supposed to go in and do this interview with you. And I'm like, I look in the mirror and I am just green, right? So I'm already There's nervous because no I'm like yet? an introvert or whatever. And now I'm like like massively hungover. And I knew you had like brought in an entire crew of people, not just for me, but for all the people you were interviewing. And I'm like, I'm not going to let Dan down. So I remember that was like the longest Uber ride ever like the studio was like this random back lot and as we're pulling up and I'm just like like sweating from like no sleep and like tequila or whatever I'm like 
I have no idea how how this is gonna go, but like you and your your staff were like so welcoming and so nice and like so professional and like it was Dang. all like you know it made me feel super super good i think one of the worst outcomes would be if we keep moving forward and people just continuously refer to my work as much as i'm proud of it i think it only uh, reflects like one very small perspective on the history of the space and what you're doing is like god's work you're going and talking to almost 100 people now and you're bringing all these voices together and Into and the future. you know you're the right guy to do it right so i mean it's exciting and and i'm thrilled to help you anytime that i can but also to collaborate with you um, in other formats and find ways to to get people to kind of share their stories and you know think ha- we're gonna have oh, some nice. fun and you know get people to loosen up a little bit you know so I I'm excited for where this is going hell yeah so uh, you know again sort of taking a, a step to the side for people who who are coming into this sort of with with fresh eyes and fresh ears um, you know I think it might be useful to talk a bit about how how the space has sort of changed since the two of us have experienced it since we've come into it um, we have different perspectives since we entered it at different times the market was different the community was different um, but for both of us it's largely it, it, I mean it's changed and it hasn't um, so, so to sort of give people a bit of perspective that way I'm wondering if you can share you know since since learning about blockchain and since learning about like blockchain art, crypto art, NFTs, all of that, what what have you seen? Future. Yeah. Future. In the beginning, um, it was like there were there were these nerdy subcultures Nerd that were experimenting with blockchain almost in isolation, right? You had like your rare Pepe crowd and your your sort of people that were into punks and like the Dada NYC folks and Rare Art Labs was going on. Crypto Kitties. Crypto Kitties, yep. And and then, you know, you mentioned Sarah Mayojas and, you know, there were a bunch of other sort of uh, earlier folks like uh, Nilly Lerner and Rhea Myers. uh, Myers. Yep. Um, When did you become such a name dropper? So, you know, there were those folks going back, let's call it like 2014 to 2016, 17, and that's when the Pepe folks start coming in. And it was really, I came in like two weeks before Rare AF1, which is sort of the famous event at New York City, because that's the first time that all these different subcultures and individual tinkerers and people that were coming at it for different reasons came together in one space. And they didn't come to a consensus and say like, oh, this is what it is. They came together and held the same ideas that they had when they were coming in, but but uh, were able to coincide with each other and respect each other's reasons for being there, which is like a better outcome than having everyone go there and then like agree upon what this thing was. They all came and like, well, this is what I'm doing and this is what I'm doing and kind of just respected each other, even if they weren't necessarily seeing everything the same way. I saw that as sort of this altruistic beginning um, where, you know, we all thought we could, like, change the world. And then pretty quickly, and we need, like, the, the sad sound effects, Dick. Stella, cue it up. Pretty quickly after, like, this high point of, um, of Rare AF1, cryptocurrency tanks. Cryptocurrency tanks. And then NFTs start to tank. And we have these, like, zombie marketplaces where, like, you know... Um, <laughs> It was hard to get any artists, and even if you got artists, no one was buying anything. This is when I'm buying like X copy NFTs for a dollar a pop or whatever, and like people <gasps> are like, "What?" This is when I'm buying X copy NFTs for a dollar a pop. Yeah, yeah. Back in, in in 2018, and then it gets worse, right? So 2019, like we have this conversation at Rare AF2 where we're all like, this is pretty much done, yeah? We're looking at each other, and we're like, no one cares. There's ICOs going on, and like ICOs are destroying the crypto name because people are like, oh, it's all a scam, right? So it's really like, you know, just a handful of us. And then you see, like, 2020, um, credit to the whales. So there's, like, uh, I'm going to call it a dozen collectors from around the world that are largely anonymous who kind of, like, start buying things for, like, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, 150 bucks, 200 bucks, and they were competing with each other, but like really only a dozen or so people. And then some, some like people with less means, like myself, that have been kind of cruising along collecting. Um, But none of us see the 2021 explosion. Like that comes from the, the Beeple sale, really changes everything, in some cases for the better, in some cases for the worse, depending on who you ask, right? So the reason I would say the better 
in order for our vision of blockchain and NFTs to grow, we needed a way for everybody to find out about it. And they sure as hell found out about it after the Beeple sale, right? Like it ends up on Saturday Night Live and Ellen and all these other things. Art is happening. But the primary introduction to NFTs, this thing that we thought could be like altruistic way to support like lots of different artists and like, you know, to have like more equality and opportunity and equity for artists. Now the, the primary entry point for the world is... A white dude sold a $70 million, you know, uh, JPEG through a 200-year-old auction house. Like, just doesn't sound that disruptive, right? It's still about people spending amazing amounts of money through, like, old-world art institutions. And, like, we were trying to do the opposite. Yeah. And Beeple also has, like a, an, uh, like, a history, which isn't talked about too much, of doing an incredible amount of free work for other people. So there was an enormous amount of respect from the artist community before that $69 million sale even happened too. So there is a history of doing free work for years before, before that happens. hundred percent. Well. Yeah. Not, not ever meant I've met people, super nice guy, not ever meant to be a knock. Uh, the, you know, he's, did I respect anyone that does daily work and I even like like his work, right? But I think he didn't necessarily yeah. come from the crypto art crowd. So there was a little bit of that too. You know, we can get a little saucy on, on the podcast. So I think there was kind of <gasps> like a he wasn't one of the core folks that was there from the beginning, you know, on the crypto art side. And like we thought Different maybe than, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, like mm -hmm. we thought maybe it could it should have or could have been, you know, someone else or whatever. But he, to be honest. He's done an amazing job sort of as, as an ambassador for the space and not his fault. Look, if someone offered me $70 million for uh, my work, I'd be like, hells yes, right? Um, but it transforms yeah, no, but the space. If anything, it's, yeah, but if anything, it's also, it's, but it's also supportive of the point that it's not necessarily revelatory when it's somebody who's been doing an enormous amount of free work uh, for that to happen, you know, in terms of that sale and being that person. You know, I think it sort of it, it also speaks to that point. Right. Right. Um, he shouldn't have necessarily even had to do as much free work for people to, to sort of get to that spot either. No, I'm with you. It does show sort of the before and after you go from doing work for nothing to doing work for 70 million dollars. There wasn't much of a ramp there. Right. Um, and it shows how yeah. broken it was. But we maybe went a little manic and swung too fast. So the space grew too fast and became about money too quickly, right? And all of a sudden, like, anything anyone made, it was just like, you couldn't make work fast enough, right? And, like, it became, the only story was about, look at this, uh, you know, 12-year-old who made a million dollars last weekend with some random animal PFP or whatever. And, like, the whole idea of let's build a sustainable, equitable, um, you know, art world where, like, people all around the world can have, like, at least some reasonable amount of, um, you know, financial compensation for their work. And it's a way to connect with people creatively and like share ideas. And a lot of it wasn't even about the financial component. It got financialized, you know, really quickly. And 2021 was, was crazy. I think there's a, like, for lack of a better, a uh, better word. And like to, to kind of round it out, at least from my perspective, we're now where I'm most comfortable, right? We're in a bear market where the only people that want to be here are like the, the artists and the builders and the creatives that actually, you know, care about the stuff that I care about. And I think we're actually seeing the, I had sort of this adversarial relationship a little bit with the traditional art world last year, where I kept saying like, NFTs are awesome and they're great. And look at all these people that care about art now. And like all these artists are getting this opportunity. And a lot of times my art world friends were like, oh, those aren't real artists or like those aren't real collectors. But that's died down. And I think the the bridge, there's sort of a bridge now between the traditional art world and sort of all this new interest. And I think this it needed like a, it need, the, the whole space needed to simmer down for us to get to that point. But anyway, that's that's sort of how I've seen it. You know, the, the art. Calm down. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I was I was sort of one of these people who I mean I, I was I was around before the Beeple sale for sure, um, but definitely came in sort of like on this on this wave of Nifty Gateway sort of at the end of 2020, right? Um, yeah, and really by right. virtue of, of an artist that I had been following for a while. There's an artist named Kidmograph who, you know, I was following on Instagram and, and had known there, and then was like, oh, okay, cool, like Nifty Gateway. I, I've heard about these NFTs, whatever, and then it was like, you know, the the credit card on ramp. So, you know, if anything, it's it's I sort of came in a very vanilla way <laughs> to to this space, and and I am one of like the new arrivals. Uh, even even coming in totally. in that moment, I think the amount of noise that was generated in the following like 365 days was just like something that I had never even like, that I hadn't seen culturally uh, ever. Um, 
you know, I, I, we haven't lived through multiple generations, so it's, it's kind of hard to say, but it, 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 it was wild. Um, and Why every single day, like there, there, there was a moment where, I mean, there were months on end where like there wasn't anything else even possible to pay attention to because, uh, yeah, the, the, the machine was just running uh, so well and at full speed and, and maximum productivity and talking, talking, talking. Everyone was just like, and everything was the first and everything was the best and like everything was the, the loudest and everything was the most expensive and the all-time high. And it was just like, it was, it was a wild time to be trying to figure out how to live on the internet in this way, for sure. And, you know, I think that... <laughs> um, you know, you you and I agree for sure that like nowadays, I mean, like working in this space, uh, it's so much it's so much friendlier, um, and so much calmer, and, and it's, it's nice to sort of see a lot of people. You know, like the historic NFT festival is happening. Uh, you know, late October, um, very soon, I think after we're, we're premiering this episode, and like it's like it, it's nice to see you know, us and, and, and different groups uh, like Dada, like sort of like Thank. also grounding themselves again and being like, okay, cool. Like, let's, let's like look at this, this history. Let's recontextualize like what, what's been going on here. Um, so that, that when like this next wave of people enters the space, like they're, they're not so lost, you know, I, I feel like I, and I, I, I came at a moment where I think I, I spent, it's probably quantifiable in days, uh, which is sh- shame to admit, but like of watching sh- really shitty YouTube content, trying to understand <laughs> what was going on in crypto and in NFTs and like what to, what what to buy and, and what that meant. Exactly. And like, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was tough. And you know, I, I experimented a lot and like certainly, uh, you know, I don't want to say like lost a lot because I haven't necessarily s- tried to sell a bunch of stuff that I've bought, but I've, I've learned an enormous amount in like in this experiment. Um, and, you know, it's it's uh, I, I think it's it's still in a spot where it's it's inevitable. Like, you know, I think like the, that the interest is, is is definitely creeping back in. People are, are very like, like no they're committed to figuring before. it out for themselves or their companies or their corporations or conglomerates. Uh, it, it's still there. Um, and I think that like when, you know, when, when you talk about, you know, the, the early intentions and, and, you know, you're somebody, um, and thankfully I, I, I feel like I have a bit of a sense of this too, but because of the people that you've introduced me to, but you know, what, what the actual intent of the space was when it started, um, and sort of how, you know, some of the things that have happened in like the past year have sort of strayed from that, you know? Um, I think that the, there's a moment where we're sort of like recome, where we're where we're finding ourselves a bit there again, and being like, okay, right, what is all of this for? And you know, like it's like I, I've been I've worked in the past year with people like Pussy Riot, you know, like Nadia, like she's done incredible work for the people in Ukraine, but also for women in the United States who you know can't find access to resources for birth control or or abortions. Um, and like that, that's using crypto, right? Uh, like I, I've, I've been working with an artist in Iran uh, on the film who, you know, is basically fighting this regime by, by making art <laughs> um, and, and sort of disseminating it using blockchain tech and like, like stuff like that. It's remarkable and it's still happening every day. And like there is still a, a pulse to this space that speaks to the early cypherpunks. And what I would say are the political intentions, um, whether or not we want to call them that, whatever. But it's it's there. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's it's I think yeah we're we're sort of meeting each other. I feel like in a way where where we're kind of now on the same page. Where like it's like I'm not I don't feel so much like wide eyed, bushy tailed. Like oh okay, this is this is changing the world tomorrow, right? Um, but in a lot of ways, the experiment worked, right? Like you, you mentioned a few examples, and I know um, there there are a lot of them. Sometimes when w- I got to the point where when I mentioned positive examples of artists' lives that were changed by NFTs, so many people would say, but that's not going to happen for everyone, that I started backing off on sharing the stories. But there are new stories every day, right? So we're going to have our friend right. Carlos Marcial um, on uh, at some point. 
And, you know, he's in, in Mexico when COVID hits, has a family, children, rent to pay, uh, loses his job. The government down there doesn't give out checks the way they do here. So really no safety net whatsoever, finds NFTs, you know, um, and is able to support his family, eventually buy a house, and then has now moved to Lisbon and, you know, is able to put his kids into good schools or whatever. And people are like, okay, well, that's one. And then I go down to like, you know, 50 more stories, right? And I'm like, when do you want me to stop? You know, just two days ago... Uh, um, I was on a Twitter Spaces, and I'm going to get his name wrong, but I, it's like R-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-S on Twitter. Rise, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Pops on <laughs> and, you know, gave this super, like, sweet story at the end about how uh, he escaped Ukraine by selling art, um, his art as Tezos NFTs or whatever. It's like a, yet another story that I hadn't heard. And I sometimes feel like I'm in crazy land because I hear all these amazing life-changing stories like on a daily basis. But then I hear other people that are critical of the space saying it's not really changing lives it's not really doing anything it's not really like a new thing and i'm like well wait i know like dozens of people that are like you know it's literally changing their lives for the better so in a way you know there were aspects of the experiment that ran off the rails that got way too much attention in my opinion but that doesn't mean the good things we wanted to have happen didn't happen they just didn't get the press, um, you know, and, and the attention that maybe they should have uh, have received. You know, I mean, not to get like overly serious, but exactly. one of my gauges, and again, it's just, you know, it's just me, but I'm 44 now, and three years ago or four years ago before this all started, despite spending a quarter of my life in art school and all my friends being musicians and artists, I didn't have one friend, not one person out of, you know, hundreds or maybe thousands of friends that made a living off of this stuff, right? And now dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of people that either make a full-time living you know uh making art or get you know pretty substantial income through through nfts that's wild right like that's that's a pretty crazy change and it's directly tieable to this space absolutely and then like snowfro puts it exactly like that too it's like generative art it was the nerdiest art medium the chess club of of art right and like no one was making any there was no making anything apart from the generative art (laughs) uh and and now to see that changing uh, you know it's 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 been it's been hugely impactful not only for him but for i mean hundreds of artists within the generative art field in particular Right, and the only people that think that the money doesn't matter or that, you know, artists shouldn't talk about money are the people that have money, right? I mean, my artist friends are Poe. They they do not have a lot of money, right? And, like, you know, the opportunity to actually, like, make some money. You better believe money means a lot to my artist friends, and they are very comfortable talking about it because when you can't pay rent or you can't afford food or this, that, and the other, like, you know, we needed a better system. We weren't treating our creative class, um, you know, fairly, and we needed to invent a new way to make sure that we compensated them, right? I mean, look. Look at it this way. When you get a free weekend, right, do you want to go, no offense, lawyers and doctors, but do you want to go and hang out with doctors and lawyers and these other people who get paid really well for the important services they provide? No, you probably go to an art museum or to a concert. Like these are things that on some levels that we like, we all know we value and love and make our life rich. Like life without music and without art sucks right but then on the other hand most artists and musicians we show no real gratitude or or provide no real compensation or no real means to encourage them to be able to keep their their craft going right and like you know that's what this was um in the beginning and and i think when i say the experiment succeeded it largely still is like we're gonna tell these stories i think to some degree on this podcast like we definitely want to keep it light and have fun but I think we're going to introduce people to some of these stories where people are like, yeah, like there are a lot of us that like went from decades of hard work. I mean, you mentioned it with people, you know, like decades of hard work with like almost no recognition or compensation to really life changing, not because they became gajillionaires, but because they got any sort of recognition like that, that, you know, going from nothing, you know, matters, I think. Also the expectation, you know, today it's, it's a bit, blown out of proportion in in so far that like you know somebody being able to afford their 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 own ipad with with procreate on it uh by virtue of of working in this space like is also enough right right but Um, that never catches the news that's what drives me crazy like so you know when dan buys a work by um jason for 15 dollars and sends a nice note that's like times a million because those kinds of things are going on all the time. That's like life changing, but no one's ever going to send the reporters to your house and be like, oh, we need to interview Dan about this $15 you know, artwork he bought from Jason, right? And I, so that's why I think sometimes the, uh, the best stories get overlooked. Yeah. 
So, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of media uh, sort of a, about the space. There's a lot of podcasts. We're here for the um, party. You know, I guess, like, I, I, I would love to, to chat a bit about what, what our hopes here uh, are with this one, with the dankness and, and sort of, so yeah, what, 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 so what we hope dank. to do with all that dankness that we're bringing to podcast land. Yeah, and we're going to get to have the people that maybe aren't so accessible to everyone else all the time. We're going to get to talk to them and, and hopefully get past um, uh, the, you know, the sort of interviews that maybe they've already read or heard in other places. And I think we have some fun questions where we're going to try to catch people thinking in new ways and sharing you know, new thoughts and maybe getting a little bit more relaxed to where they can open up about how they really feel without worrying about you know, uh, so much judgment. And we've got a sort of a, a cool section um, with sort of like a story time where we're going to bring folks in. Because look, we all fight each other about like what's part of the history and what's not part of the history. But the idea of history in a space that's three or four years old is kind of ludicrous to begin with. Like, you know, like, like way, 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 way back in history in 2018, you know, it's mm, like, yes. it's sort of crazy. So, but at the same time, if we don't record it, capture it and have people share their views, there's a chance it could be lost. So there's, we've got sort of this tongue in cheek segment exactly. where we'll hear from folks on that front. I mean, I think it's going to be awesome. Dan. I think it's going to be incredible. Yeah, it's like the space travels at like hyperspeed, right? And and there is something interesting about like the moment of creation and sort of like minting, right? And automatically making that that idea um, or or inspiration an object that can be bought and traded on a marketplace and all of that, right? And I think that like what something that we're definitely trying to do is is sort of um, you know talk talk to artists. In, in a way that, that is like uh, sort of outside of what the art, markets are dude. saying nah. about the value that they, that they create by virtue of their art, right? Because I think as an artist, it's really like you put so much of yourself into these pieces and what the market is, is saying about those pieces, uh, it can become very heady, you know? And I think bringing, bringing people to, to a space and to, to conversation that is a bit, a bit more free of that and allows them to, uh, you know... Um, even be creative in how they're answering questions that they're not typically asked, I think is going to like provide anyone listening, anyone interested in meeting these people who are working in this space, some pretty cool insights into how their, their wacky minds work. Art after all is emotion. Yeah. And look, the, the market's stupid. Like, you know, um, the market, I've been watching the market for five years and you can gamify the market. Five people can agree that they're all going to spend too much money on one work, and then other people will come aping in and buying the same thing or whatever. Like the idea that the market is somehow at all correlated with quality of art. Like I threw that out the window a long time ago, right? And and I think there are so many amazing artists that um, hang their, their unfortunately hang their hopes and their ego on sales, uh, but sales and quality of art are just two totally different things. And I think you're right. There's an opportunity here to divorce, um, you know, who these people are and what they create from the market. And, you know, quite frankly, there's an opportunity to, to go beyond just conversations about art too. Right. Like, you know, and just kind of get to know, get to know the human being and like to realize these people are just like us in, in many ways and in oddly different in other exciting ways that I hope they share too. With that said, I think it's time for a pre-roll. Hey friends, this is Art Gnome reminding you that at Club NFT you can analyze the health of your entire NFT collection, back up and protect your NFTs in a single click, get personalized recommendations on which art and artists to collect next, read great articles from Right Click Save, the world's leading Web3 culture publication. At Club NFT, you can kick back, relax, knowing your collection is safe. Back up your collection, and JPEGs will thank you. They're attracted to dank places. D-d-dank places. So I guess I guess we are we're rounding up episode zero of the dankness here, and uh, 
you know, I want to I want to leave people who are listening in with, um, you know, some different ways that they can find more information that they can connect with us. Uh, definitely check out the dankness.xyz. That's going to have more information about past episodes, upcoming episodes, uh, some rewards potentially for our early listeners, um, some cool things that you might be able to claim there. Uh, as that's being rolled out, definitely check out our personal handles. You can find the one and only Art Gnome at Art Gnome. That is at A R T N O M E. Oh, nice. I'm at Dan Sickles. That is at D-A-N underscore S-I-C-K-L-E-S. Uh, but you can also find more information about my project uh, and about my work at newhere.xyz. Uh, there's a ton of information about the film there. There's information for how you can get involved. There's an ongoing mint as well. Art Gnome, where can, where can we find more information about uh, all the cool things that you're working on? Yeah, so uh, super proud of rightclicksave.com. So that is the publication associated with my company, Club NFT. Uh, we really go out of our way to get a, a plurality of voices from people from all different uh, regions and areas and walks of life on sort of the, the fine art side of NFTs and, and Web3. Um, so I would encourage folks to check out Right Click Save. And then... Um, you know, it would be remiss if I did not remind you once again to go to clubnft.com and back up your NFT collection. Yeah, uh, right. If you care about your NFTs, make sure that you take care of them just like anything else. Back them up. Back them up. And with that, Stella, you want to bring us out for episode number zero of The Dankness. Flood and Stella are audiovisual artists collaborating to make waves in the Dankiverse with their trippy, acid-infused art project called the Danktones. They have been super busy lately, working around the clock to create some mind-bending image composition, NFT art that's about to turn heads in the community. They're hitting all the retro music store vibes. The podcast cover art includes stickers, holographics, shrink wrap, and even some redacted sound effects. Yes, you heard that right. This wild duo is bringing back physical media vibes in a big way with this release. But it's not just the medium that's impressive, it's the audio-visual art itself. Flood and Stella's art is truly something special, with bright, bold colors and intricate patterns and zany sound effects that will have you feeling like you're tripping on acid. So if you're a fan of NFT art and you're looking for something a little bit different, definitely check out Flood and Stella's The Danktones Project. Thanks for your time. Have a dank 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 dank